0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to the podcast, it's John and Joe. Joe <laughs> is the new addition. He has uh, filled the role of former Deacon Mike. Big shoes. Who's now Father Mike. And a big cardigan. And who has been sent to the furthest end of the earth, known as Northwestern Colorado, for his assignment as a priest. We miss him, but he's just too far away for... Uh, doing our weekly podcast. So, Joe, a, a fellow seminarian of mine has graciously stepped in and uh very very grateful to have you. So, thanks for thanks for doing this and no problem, uh excited man. to be uh to be working together this semester. It'll be a lot of fun. I uh, I was just
1: thinking about how me doing this, this is like ensuring the fact that I'll never get like canonized or
0: become a bishop or anything. Like, <laughs> Everything. They'll,
1: they'll have like all these things just to go back to be like, listen to this guy. Like, Everything is on total the Total heretic. And yeah. you
0: will make mistakes and you will <laughs> say time. outrageous things. And your sister, Alicia, will come after you. because Oh, I she get, will. I she comes emails. after me
1: for my sandals. She doesn't like how I dress. Speaking
0: of Joe's <laughs> sister, Joe is the uh, second youngest of 10 from philadelphia and um you know their family is pretty much our listener base <laughs> so when when the time came to uh um to pick a new guy to fill mike's uh she was one with a double spirit you know like alicia he uh it was the clear choice for the sake of his family so oh. now they get to listen to their their uh, brother and their son uh joe out and now in denver in this little cramped really hot congested studio with myself it'll be fun should we get to the topic
1: let's do it what are we talking about
0: Eros and agape.
1: Eros and agape. Eros and agape. Love. She's going to get love. Talking amor. About love.
0: Amor. Okay, amor. Uh, we're talking about um, two different Greek words for love, okay? So this is the first thing. In English, we have one word. It's love, right? And when we say, I love my grandmother, when I say, I love pizza, when a teenage girl says, I love my boyfriend, all of these things, it's all one word. Love. Love. I love, love, whatever. It's like layers of meaning for the word right. love. All you need is love. John Lennon, right? It's all kind of blah, one thing, and it's very, very um, uh, undefined, and it, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it's hard to make distinctions. But the classical languages made a lot of distinctions that we didn't make, and one of them is with all these different kinds of love. And in Greek, these are two kinds of love that we're going to focus on today. Eros and Agape. 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 Now, you're just starting your Greek, so I, I hope this uh, the helps it. Your, your
1: pronunciation pronunciation is exquisite. Agapé,
0: as Father Hoke would say. The, um, so we'll start with eros. Eros is where we get the word erotic, okay. and it actually means – it doesn't just mean sexual desire. It's desire in a very broad sense. Any kind of love that has this kind of passionate, burning, um, yearning, this kind of desire to it is Eros. So in the general sense, I could have like erotic love for chocolate cake.
1: Yes. And that wouldn't be weird. That would be like actually what it's called. Exactly. That's the the kind of love it is. And
0: we got to get beyond this sexualizing of the word Eros because God is revealed as having Eros or desire or yearning for his people. But God is not sexual. But God is not sexual. So you have... Uh, especially in the Song of Songs in the Old Testament, you just see this this the jealous. If you've ever wondered, like, why is God jealous in the Old Testament? Doesn't that seem a little ridiculous? Like, okay, are you are you like seriously? Are you that insecure? You got to be jealous when <laughs> you know the uh, Israelites are hanging out with the Canaanites. Is it really that big of a deal for you? But his it's his passionate desire, his eros for union with his creation, because he created us for himself, as uh, um, as Augustine will say. So it's a. Uh, it's God's eros that is manifest in the Old Testament. It's as beautiful. It comes across as his zeal, as his jealousy, as his yearning, as his desire. So whenever you see those words in the Old Testament, chances are, when they translate it into Greek, it was eros. Cool, it, huh? That's really cool. So that's eros in God. Now in the New Testament, in First John, you have God is love, and he who abides in, uh, in love abides in God, and God in he. That's agape. God, when, when it's, um, when John writes that in the Greek, it's agape, it's not eros. Agape is selfless, sacrificial love, right? It is the, the laying down one's life. When Jesus says, you know, um, you do this for, not just for my friends, but for my enemies, you lay down my life. When he says these things, when you talk about anything, the selfless giving, pouring out of yourself, kenosis, as Paul will, will use the term, emptying of yourself, that is When you agape. love someone when there's nothing in it for you, that's agape. Exactly. Now, agape. So I was in class a couple days ago, and I asked a uh, professor, Dr. Lillis. I said, Lillis, how do you, how do you reconcile this? You know, How do you reconcile God as eros and God as agape? And he said in Pope Benedict's encyclical from several years ago, the first one he wrote, Deus caritas est, God is love. Caritas is the Latin translation of agape. He said, in God, you have the union of eros and agape. God's love is perfectly united with the two. His desire, his yearning, his jealousy, his his passionate love for us is totally infused and informed by his selfless, um, undying love for us that we see in Christ. Is that beautiful? Yeah, that's cool. So in God you have the union of the two. Now let's get this down to the practical level. Let's get this down to us because I got to go to class here in like eight minutes, so yeah, we got we got to keep moving. You got to, give me the high sign, give me the uh, yeah. give me the watch when we uh, are getting close. Um, in our life, you we all have eros and we all have um, agape. agape. Hopefully, agape, but we all have this kind of. Um, erotic dimension to our life this eros this desire and that takes many forms that does take a sexual form because we are sexual beings but it also any forms of intimacy emotional intimacy or spiritual we have an eros for god for union with god we have this desire this yearning this unquenchable um, burning fire so to speak in our hearts for god it cannot be quenched and and augustine like we said earlier, was really big on this restless are our hearts until they rest in thee they're restless because of our eros for the divine, for something greater than us, for union with the beloved, right? Mm-hmm. For something that will satisfy the deepest desires of our hearts. That is our Eros. So it's not just our sexual desires, but it's all of our desires. Any,
1: anything wound up with the passions.
0: Exactly. Is, is Eros, as far as desire and love. Exactly. So you have um, all of these passions in man and all of these desires, but then you have the fall, too. So man is fallen. So all of this gets out of con- spun out of control. And we could talk forever on this, and maybe we'll. We'll come back to this. I want to do one on Genesis 3 sometime on the fall, and we'll maybe go deeper into it. But now our passions are disordered. Now our desires are disordered, and we will uh, mix everything up and um, try and run to different places, try to fulfill it in different ways instead of going to God, mostly. So what is the response? Agape. Agape, the selfless, sacrificial love of laying down one's life, has to discipline Eros it has to discipline it it has to channel it it has to order it and it has to infuse it so as christians we're not called to surrender our desire our passionate yearning for for people for sex for whatever it is we don't surrender that we don't just like block that out and just be these cold altruistic kind of servants of god agape actually informs our arrows it controls it it moderates it. It, it it brings self-mastery and it deepens it so all of a sudden our desire which turns it on itself and makes me want to use other people to fulfill my desires all of a sudden if it's informed by agape i'll want to pour out that desire will lead me into pouring out and giving of myself it gives like an affection to your agape like a the heart is swelling
1: as well as the self-gift. Exactly. You know, and, the,
0: and as John Paul II, or not, well, John Paul II, but also the Second Vatican Council said in Gaudi Spes*: man only finds himself through a sincere through gift, gift of, of himself, himself, agape. You cannot be satisfied. The, so the eros of our heart cannot be ordered and cannot be satisfied without agape, without the emptying of ourselves. This is like the fundamental thing that we do not understand in our culture. We think it's all about us and we got it. We have this burning eros and we got to just use everything we can to fulfill it, right? But as Dr. Lillis said in class, he's like, Eros without Agape in a marriage turns to hell very quickly. Hmm. But so too is Agape without Eros. If it's just she's doing favors for me or he is, you know, um, working, you know, or he's just sacrificing for me. But But there's there's no desire. There's no desire. There's There's no no passion. passion. Um, You don't have true spousal love. The only way married people in in the vocation of marriage will have true spousal love is the union of Eros and Agape which is what they're trying to imitate in God. Mm, that's awesome. Isn't that awesome? It's so, so true,
1: it's so true to our experience. I just think of like couples I know who love each other well, and there's totally an element, you can see that they're in love with each other. It's so clear. Exactly. Like I think about my parents. My parents, my dad will always Good say people. like I'm more in love with your mother than I, I am today than the day I met her uh, or yeah, whatever. He just totally. he's full of these like cheesy dad things, but you just know he loves exactly. loves this woman so much, but he also Lays down his life for her, and so you know. But th- I can see how the one perfects the other, and they're not perfect. Uh, you know, they're not a perfect example, but I can see this. This is true to our experience when we when we encounter real, beautiful spousal love. That's how it looks. You, there's an element of the eros. You can see there's a desire, there's a passion, there's an affection, exactly. in their hearts. But there's also selflessness. There's also sacrifice. There's Death to self, exactly. Awesome now, stuff.
0: Now, what about us? Is the question. We're going to be priests, right? How does eros work in the life of a priest? Now, this is another thing, Doctor Lavelle. said. Question. this is crazy. This is crazy. This is like my. This blew my mind earlier this week. I know, I know. You're looking at your watch. I got. I got to be in class in three minutes. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. The. Uh, this is the last point, and then I'll, we'll, we'll cut it off. This is a good point, though. But this is an important point. Where is eros in the life of the priest? A lot of times, what's happening in the parishes is that you have priests who are very sacrificial. They are full of agapeic love for their people. They pour themselves out. They work very, very hard, but there's something that's not satisfying, and they're burning out. Some of the hardest working priests leave the priesthood, and, and we have to say, why is that? What What's happening? One of the problems is is um, there's a sense of I rise above eros. Eros does not have a role in my life. Eros so, kind of is so associated with this sexuality and yeah, sexuality that's, that's that for it's married like people. exactly. So I don't have eros for my people but if we take on the person of Christ in ordination if we take on if we become in persona Christi then we have to love the church with the spousal love of Christ which means the union of Christ's eros for the church his desire his yearning his burning passionate desire to be in union with his people which is fully expressed on his cross All right his great cry from the cross that could be really the full high point of his eros and his agape and so as the priest we have to imitate the spousal love for Christ in um, in his Eros and in his Agape. So we have to have Eros for the people. There has to be a proper, masculine, paternal Eros desire, union for these people to be in union with Christ Jesus.
1: Like Christ wept over Jerusalem. Like exactly. there is passion there behind the just the self-gift on the it's cross. It's not
0: just a cold cell. He doesn't just get on the cross and does it. he's weeping. He's, I mean, the whole thing is going on. And when we meditate on the cross of Christ, we have to be focused on that. And then the final point i would be, what about priests in relation to each other? Hmm. It doesn't have a spousal dimension, but priests are united in the bond of holy orders, and their eros and their ag- agape takes the form of fraternal love. Uh, Catholic Stuff Podcast at, at gmail. gmail.com. And as Father Mike used to say, if you like Catholic stuff, tell your friends. Hey, there you go. Tell your friends it's a good thing. All right.